the baddest city in all time, space, and dimensions. Stockton, California, the Deuce 09. Your host is a prominent member of the Bohemian Club, a prominent member of the Bilderberg Society, a Freemason of even higher than 33 degrees, a master of fractional reserve banking and creating the new world order. Crosley, Gracie, Brown Belt, Tim Freeman. And also today's special guest, Master bodyguard, master stuntman, master actor, master MMA fighter, master at jiu-jitsu, Tate Fletcher! You know what time it is. Grab your lighter, grab some gasoline, grab some lighter fluid, set somebody's house on fire, motherfucker, because this is the Inside BJJ Podcast! Ladies and gentlemen, Matt Freeman. That was a great intro, my friend. Matt Freeman. Dude. And if you subscribe to the premium podcast for $2 a month, Master Mason Tim Freeman will reveal to you all the secrets of Freemasonry. And you listen to the Inside BJ Podcast. You got to get involved in the the, uh, Podcast Millionaires Club. No, hey, I want to just let everybody know that uh, we're not brought to you by any sponsors, we're done with the whole sponsorship deal. Unless Atama wants to throw me a bunch of money to say their name on the show, then I'll do it. But not nah, for real, man. I'm like, I'm so burned out. No more sponsors. We're not going to ever buy just gi pants. We're <laughs> going to buy the whole gi. Not, not, don't, buy, don't buy just the gi pants. Just buy the whole gi. Just get the whole gi. You'll need the jacket, too. You know what? No, for real, man. Our show is brought to you by you. All right? So... You're our sponsor, man. The dudes that like the show and the ladies that like the show, you're the sponsors for the show. And we love you. We do the show for you. And uh, if you're sitting at your desk listening right now, you're driving in your car, we get a lot of the commuters listening to the podcast. If you're out on a jog or buying groceries or whatever you're doing, man, we're doing the show for people like you. And uh, if you like us, then all we ask is throw us a review on iTunes Throw us a review on our app. You can download the Inside BJJ app from the uh, iTunes store. You can get it from Google Play. You can get it for your Windows Mobile. It's all out there. Or if you really like us, you could sign up for a premium subscription. What does that mean? You ask me. Here's what it means. It's $1.99 a month. You get access to the full back catalog, every show we've ever done, every interview. We've done some big interviews with almost every Gracie you could ever imagine, and even guys that aren't named Gracie, and even women. Some of the women that are named Gracie, we had them on too. But uh, we got a lot of cool jujitsu and MMA guys on the show in the past. And we also have some premium shows where we don't talk about just jujitsu. We talk about uh, fights and mushroom trips and government, uh, Amer- history. Growing maybe. up in Stockton, California. Growing up in Stockton. <laughs> Speaking of that, I wanted to. World premi- WWE. <laughs> premium shit. Um, I was thinking, how do you think about this? I don't know if I've asked you about this or not, but bringing in like a hardcore history style dude and doing a premium podcast. No, I don't like that idea. (laughs) I like, no, that's cool. I I like it. Like if you ask something on the air, I have to say yes, basically, right? That's my that's my trick of making it happen, asking (laughs) you on the air. Yeah, I mean that those that's the kind of stuff we have on the premium show. We've had like bounty hunters on the show. We've had ex like deputy sheriffs and bounty hunters. Short air, Frank Gallo. That's your shot out, motherfucker. Yeah, so we got all kinds of 
crazy stuff on the premiums that you can hear. It's $1.99 a month, and then you become the sponsor of the show. You get a part of it. You're helping build this jujitsu podcast. You're helping build this kingdom. You cannot, you cannot outgive God. You give to this podcast, brothers and sisters, and you're going to see your life blessed in mysterious ways. Glory That's right. to God. Yeah, so, man, you know, help us out. That's all we're saying. If you like it, help us out, and you can go to InsideBJJ.com slash premium. We also got some cool Inside BJJ shirts. Uh, they're new ones, and basically what we're doing, we're de- designed by Edwin Frias, and he's got a really cool setup. Uh, if you check out Free Love Creations, it's F-R-I, lovecreations.com. He designed our shirts. And the way these shirts work, it's 30 bucks, and that includes shipping and handling. And then we take $10 from the sale of every shirt, and we're donating it to the local women's and children's shelter in Stockton. Try to do some cool stuff for them. Yeah, man, you're helping out some people, man. There's a lot of fucked people who have been fucked over and fucked up in every possible imaginable way, especially women in Stockton at these shelters with children. Yeah, it's a pretty bad situation here. So we're trying to do something cool, you know, not just trying to sell a bunch of shirts and make a bunch of money, which is obviously we're not doing. Uh, but we want to... Uh, you know, give a little something back as much as we can do. So if you can, you could help us out with that, man. We'd really appreciate it. And also, if you're one of these motherfuckers who's always online, you always buy your shit online, you buy shit on Amazon, yo, use the Amazon click-through link on the inside BJJ Jizzle Pod Fizzle Mother Fizzle. <laughs> yeah. And we'll, and, and then Tim over here I is can... a master of fractional reserve banking. <laughs> we'll get a fraction of that, but then he will loan that fraction out he will take that money, reinvest it into the kingdom, and take over this fucking world. That's pretty much the plan, but we need you to use the click-through link before we can do that. You're kind of holding me back, and I'm kind of waiting for you guys to kick it into gear. Man, great show lined up, dude. I'm really happy to uh, talk to Tate Fletcher. I can't wait to do that. What, the one and only. Tatumus Maximus. I love do. I love putting the Roman name on things. I call, like, uh, I train with a guy named Dave Hose, and I call him David Hosisius. I like to just add the... Roman name on stuff. Couple things, dude. Uh, so yesterday we went to the Rumble and the Redwoods tournament. Oh yeah, in Aptos, California. I okay. So like, you know, I'm just gonna say this. I had three students that I wanted to sign up, and I missed the deadline by like 12 hours. And I called them, and they were like, "No, sorry." And I said, "Really, man? Is there anything I could do? Well, you could call the guy who's running the tournament." Uh, his name is Chris Smith. He's a cool dude. And so I called him. He's like, nah, man, you know, it's not fair to the other parents to let people sign up late and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, you know what? You're right. That's cool. We went to the tournament. Uh, You know, one thing that did kind of bother me a tiny bit is I, I was like, hey, I'm a coach. Like, I got some students here that I'm coaching. Uh, Do I have to pay, like, spectator admission to get in? You paying, motherfucker. And they're like. Well, we got a list. Is your name on the list? I'm like, I don't even know about a list. It's a handwritten list. Oh, you list. know about the list? Hey, this is this is what's funny. When somebody goes, do you know about the list? And then you look at the list, and it's not even printed out. It's just a bunch of handwritten, scribbled names. I'm like, definitely my name is not on that list. I'll tell you right now. The guy's like, that'll be $10. $10? $10. So I said. Wait, wait, wait. $10 <laughs> for a spectator's fee? Yeah. Well, how much was the entry fees for the kids? I don't The people know. competing? I'm not sure. But I said. Cool, man. Like, well, I'm not going to make a thing out of it, dude. Well, I'll you're pay. rich, though. I mean, yeah, you could probably paid a lot more than $10. I, pay, I, buy, I bought everyone's ticket. Y- you could have if yeah. you wanted to. So uh, I said, cool, man. C- can I get a receipt, though? 
because like this is a business deal at the same time and they're like no res-. the lady was like violently angry no receipts and i said can you just write no it? receipts i know right why the fuck can't you get some sort of fucking receipt so i said well can you write it down on the piece of paper right here just like write it down you, you are know? a fucking jew dude you're trying to get a ten dollar <laughs> receipt so you can write off your motherfucking taxes Hey man, this shit ain't no joke. This this Timmy Freeman is a Jew shit. It's the real deal. It's the real motherfucking deal. You know it ain't free to drive to Aptos. That's a long way, dude. And I incur expenses to do that to coach my students. And I would do it. I only had two kids competing, and I'm going anyway. I'm not the kind of guy that's like I got to have a whole school full of kids, or I'm not going. Like I went, man. It's a long way, and I packed up the family and took them. And I love doing it. I love these kids. I love watching them compete. I just wanted a receipt, and they wouldn't do it. How'd your kids do? Well, I'll tell you what happened. Um, one of the kids, he plays lacrosse and he plays football, and he competes jujitsu too. But he hasn't been training very much. But he still wants to win the gold medal to jujitsu tournament. And I'm gonna kind of have to have a heart to heart talk with him and say, "Look, it's okay to play football and lacrosse and all those things you want to do, man. That's great. I'm totally behind it. But you can't get too upset when you've been." doing all that stuff and you haven't been coming to jujitsu and then you enter a tournament and then you don't win. Cause like you're going up against kids that are paying the price. They're training every day. They're training as much as they can. They're putting the time in, they're committed to it and you're playing football, which is cool. If you want to play football, that's okay. But you can't like get upset at yourself cause you didn't win the tournament. You know what I mean? I feel you. It's hard to do. And then my other guy who's really dedicated, he's always there. He's always in class. He's my top, top guy, man. His name is Justin Kelly. I love that kid. He uh he blew out his rib. Oh, he got hurt pretty bad. Dude, I rolled with some. I rolled with him once, right? What is he? How old is he? Little Justin. Yeah, he's fourteen. He's fourteen, and he's not a big fourteen year old. He's a little he's fourteen. A, he has athletic fourteen year old. Yeah. I'm rolling with him, and I'm thinking like, how much English do I want to put on this <laughs> shit? Rolling with this kid, and I didn't put all my English on it, but I thought, you know, I'm doing him an injustice. If I don't put some English on his ass, what if this guy gets into a real fight with a fucking grown-ass man, and, 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 and he's training with me, a grown-ass man, and, and I don't really add some extra English on it, and he thinks that somehow he could take a grown man. Maybe he'll survive the encounter because he, he had some real English put on his ass. So you put some English on him? I put a little bit of English on it, yeah. Hey, Justin's a tough kid, and he's only getting better, and he's really dedicated to it. And what I love about him, man, is he's an orange belt, and he was in the orange belt division, but they had a green belt in there, too. And he was bummed out because he didn't get to go against the green belt. He was like, dude, I want to compete against the green belt. He jacked up his rib, uh, and it was it was kind of bad. And, um, you know, it, it was a little bit confusing because there wasn't a lot of, um, you know, help in terms of getting him help. But there was a cool dude, Julian Blanc. What's up, man? He's a real cool dude. Yeah, he's a guy that beat me at the U.S. Open last year in the Brown Bolt Division with a toehold. Uh, he's a, a EMT. I knew he was an EMT. Pretty weak, pretty weak way to win toehold. Hey, according to Curtis, hey, the end, look, yeah. I tried to toehold him, and then he toehold me back. So <laughs> I was trying to throw some salt. I was trying. I was backing up my boy. I was backing up my cousin, trying to throw some salt on the fact that he got a victory over my boy. But, but so uh, well learned, sir. So he. Uh, he helped, he helped Justin out. He checked him out. Justin was a lot of pain, and he said, man, you know, you're probably okay, but you probably should go get an x-ray just to play it safe. You're a kid. You don't want your lungs to get damaged or something else. So, so yeah, we went to the hospital, and uh, he turned out okay, and I got to talk to Justin while he was on morphine. That was pretty funny. Oh, wow. <laughs> Poor guy. Um, but, yeah, hope you know, he'll be back on the mat in no time. But, yeah, so that's how that went. It was a little bit of a bummer. 
there was a couple, dude. I gotta say this, man. And I'm getting ready to start calling it out. I'm sick of douchey parent behavior at kid jujitsu tournaments. It is off the charts, man. From parents and coaches. There's one coach in particular, and I'm not gonna name names because I'm not at that level yet to do that. <laughs> but this guy, he's so aggressive. Basically, this guy could kick your ass, probably. He can't. Really no, say. I don't no, think no, he, he can. Well, the name is fucking name. Fuck nah, him. I don't want. I don't. I'm not trying to put him on blast. I'm just trying to say that if you're a coach and you're listening, man, you gotta realize that when you're Great to be passionate. I'm passionate about these kids. I want them to win. I, I, I feel bad when they lose. I'm more excited for their matches than, than when I compete. You know what I mean? I would rather have me be the loser every time and have the kids be the winner. I really love coaching these kids. And I yell, you know, I raise my voice, and that's all right. They got to hear you. You're into it. But there's one guy in particular, man. He screams. He goes crazy. He yells at the kids in a derogatory way. You know what I mean? He's not just coaching. He's screaming at him, man, jumping on him, yelling at him, getting him down. Just And it's like, dude, what are you doing, man? Like, what's, what's the purpose of this? Why are you doing this? Got the kids here. Is this about the kids or is this about you? The other guy was his parent, dude. He's got like a rash guard on, super tight rash guard with jeans. He's got like serious like man boobs going on. Like he should probably have a bra on. He looks like he's about 50. What, what do you got against men with man boobs, man? I, I don't know. I'm taking offense to this. <laughs> You're mad. He was lactating. I no. have man boobs, but you know what? It helps my peck joke. You don't have man boobs. This guy had man boobs, dude. This guy, his only advice to his kid was screaming louder than anyone can scream in the entire building, smash him as loud as he could, dude. He was, he was out of his mind. He was crazy. He was crazy, crazy, full-on crazy. So much that the security guys had to go over there and tell him, like, dude, you got to calm down. Like, you're starting to scare other jujitsu people here. People got to put their behavior in check for their kids. It's just it's a bad example, man. Like, let your kids be warriors. If you don't train, let your coaches coach. You can be happy for your kids and yell a little bit, but think about what you're doing, man. You know what I mean? Matt disagrees. Yeah. No, oh, yeah, I agree with you. Because it's the same shit in Little League, you know, parents getting out of hey, control. Hey, remember what coaches. happened with your daughter with the, uh, with the, uh, well, I don't know you if know, it was your daughter, but in that. It was my daughter. Yeah. It was kind of, I kept my mouth shut, but I thought it was kind of fucked up because she went against a girl at a tournament and it, it was the Gracie, it was the Gracie Worlds or Gracie Nationals. And, and, and the rules were no coaching. Coach, you can encourage both kids, but no coaching. Well, this dude was an MMA fighter. Number one, which is why maybe I kept my mouth shut. <laughs> Number two, um, his girl, you know, was really well trained, even though my daughter was bigger and older. But and it's not oh my daughter versus your daughter, but he was ser- he was hella coaching. Yeah. So not only is my kid going against an MMA fighter's daughter who's getting private lessons every week, on top of that, you're coaching. You're yeah. stepping you stepped over the rail and you're coaching her. So now my daughter's really yeah, at a disadvantage. But you know, t- but the thing that was good about that, at the same time, is she went through that experience. She rode tough and 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 stuck it out. So you know, she probably became better because of it. Yeah, she probably did. But you know, like I was at kids Pan Ams last year coaching some kids, and I saw the parents of two opposite kids almost get into a fight, <laughs> and it was a woman and a man, and the woman was going to hit the man. I don't doubt it. And it's like jujitsu is growing. More kids are doing it. 
it, just like Little League, you're going to have the same fucking... The difference is, though, in, in a Little League game, there's not a lot of motherfuckers there that can beat your fucking ass, maybe. In a jiu-jitsu. In a jiu-jitsu tournament, there's probably yeah. a lot of motherfuckers there that could beat your ass. They could beat your ass without going to jail. They could hurt you without <laughs> punching you. Yeah. They could, they could rough you up without overdoing it. I'm just saying be cool, man. Let the kids have their day. It's not the end of the world. You don't got to go nuts. It's these motherfuckers that are reliving their life through their children. A lot of them are. A lot of them are. So, yeah, that was our day, dude. We came back, and I've kind of been under the weather, man. My voice is all jacked, and I feel kind of crappy, but whatever. There was a big fight last night. I came out a loser, dude. <laughs> man. I... It, I I'm think in the you hole. have a, I'm in the have a no, problem. No, I don't have a problem, dude. I think you have no, an addiction. No, 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 no. I don't have a problem. Listen, I only lost, at the end of the night, I lost 70 bucks. That's not a problem. Okay. Maybe we should call Katie and see how she feels about it. <laughs> Do not call Mrs. Freeman. <laughs> um, Look, man, I, I can see if I was gambling away money that I didn't have. 70 bucks, dude. I'll spend 70 bucks at a bar on a given night, you know. That's chump change. Right. I wouldn't call it chump change. I mean, seventy bucks is 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 a little bit of money. Oh, now you don't want anyone to think you're like a wealthy guy. Now you're back, you're back. <laughs> I'm not a wealthy guy. You're backtracking. And maybe seventy bucks hurts a little bit, but it's not. I don't have an addiction. But you gamble on every MMA event. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> you said yeah, I do. I mean, I don't gamble more than what I could lose. Why do you gamble on the event? You know, I'm hooked on it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now, are you gambling? Um, I don't even want to go. It in. makes it, yeah. Don't go into <laughs> the warehouse. Not important. Um, Why? it just makes it so much more exciting. It does make to it have exciting. some money on the line. I I totally can see that. That's why I don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> there's some things like once you step into it, there's no going back. Like it's just boring when you go back. You know, I'm a. I don't know, man. I'm I'm a, I'm an extremist, and I'm fucked up in a lot of ways, and I need to make things more exciting than what they already are so dude tell tell me about the fights i didn't get a chance to watch well the first fight i lost on was varner um and varner had this guy varner should have won varner even had his back i don't know it's easy for me to say you know i'm talking shit because i lost money you know i'm saying you should have won that fight but it's the guy the dude he fought i i fucking forgot this guy's name um he wasn't nearly as big as um uh, varner is but he is now he was just he just came out there to fight Varner chose to chunk it with him and, and, and trade bombs. Varner almost had him. In the first round, I believe it was the first round he had him in a peck choke. I mean, that's, that's my fucking choke right there. You know, if there's one thing I'm really fucking good at, it's the peck choke. You know, I might be a white belt and everything else, but I'm probably a black belt at the peck choke. If I get someone in the peck choke, it, they're probably done. He couldn't finish it. Um, he, was, he was trying to, um, to go back up on his body and then sink back down. It was Varner versus Trujillo. Yeah, Trujillo. And um, and, and what I like to do is, like, I'm some fucking expert, you know. <laughs> but um, I like to wiggle. He, he, I, I like to wiggle my way into it. I would like to have seen him wiggle a little bit more. And a lot of times, too, when the guy tries to get out, he, you could sink it in deeper. Anyways, he couldn't finish the, the peck choke. And then um, it ended up going further into the fight. And he had his back for a moment, and he didn't keep him down there. They got back up, and he was trying to finish him and he got knocked out in the process what what happened with uh it was a fucking brawl though mirror and over him um over him just beat the living fucking shit out of mirror for three rounds and mirror mirror went for his guillotine almost maybe maybe almost got it but didn't and it just pretty much took an ass beating and then uh lost money on that one too jose aldo and and llamas how jose aldo looked 
he looked good as usual, you know. Um, he looked like his normal self. That was a title he, fight, right? Yeah, he was in a he was in a fight though. You know, he was in a real fight. That guy was tough. That guy, you know, was was always threatening. He was always um, um, attacking. He was he, he was definitely uh, Jose. You know, couldn't fuck around with this guy. He could have lost that fight, but you know, he, he didn't. And then the one that I, I wanted to see that I didn't get to see was uh, was Hennon Barral and, and Uriah Faber. Um, probably a short stoppage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Uriah Uriah was got he got fucking cracked for sure. He was hurt. Um, he was going for the low single. Um, Barral was hitting him with a hammer fist. Uriah looked at the ref and he gave him the thumbs up. I'm okay. I'm not hurt. Don't stop it. And they stopped it. Oh no, that's terrible! You do the fighter gives you the thumbs up. You got to let him fight. It's, it's like, well, you're not improving your position. Well, you, you it's give a him, title you fight. You can't though. always, yeah. But look, it takes what? How how long does it take? Just just even in jujitsu, how long does it take sometimes to improve your position? It can take an entire five or six minutes to, improve. you know, yeah, ten seconds. You can't exactly improve your position like that. But he wasn't taking a lot of damage at that point. He had he had taken some fucking damage. He got cracked. Where do you think? Faber goes from here, man, because he kind of, he kind of, he tailed off and he and he built himself back. Well, up. he's one hell of a businessman because he talked about he talked about getting Dillashaw in there to get a um shot against um yeah Burrell, which I thought was you know that was nice promoting your own guys, yeah. putting your own guys in there. Faber's a very smart dude. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's one. Of, he's a very. He's an example of what you should do if you're in this fighting game. He's he's got all of his ducks lined up in the right way. Yeah, I, I just wonder what he where he goes from here, man. I you know, fuck, I don't know. He he was he, he it wasn't like even though I think the fight was stopped prematurely and you can never count out your eye of favor, but it, it didn't look like that, you know, it was gonna go well for him. Yeah. I mean, may, yeah. maybe he could have hit a takedown and put a dude on his back and um, you know, he could have been some trouble, but it looked yeah. like he was gonna lose a stand up fight for sure. Yeah. That's a bum deal, dude. Yeah, man, Burrell's a bad motherfucker. He's a dude. bad dude. Bad, bad, and so this bad was a, motherfucker. This was to see who gets the belt that Dominic Cruz had to vacate, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 There's no one that's gonna touch this guy for a while. And Burrell's a good dude. It's too bad with Dominic. What about Cruz. where does Jose Aldo go from here? Who does he fight now? He, I think I'm supposed to be fighting him in a few weeks. Does he move up? I don't I know mean, what he's. I think he's gonna fight Anderson Silva. You know, I don't know, dude. I he's don't a know. big. He's a big for that weight. Yeah, he can move up to fifty five. I don't know. Maybe Pettis, maybe, maybe BJ Penn will fight there's him. There's Pettis. There's BJ. There's Diaz. There's you know, any Florian? No, Florian's yeah. done. He already whooped Florian. Yeah, Florian's done. Florian was a good fighter. I liked watching him. <clears throat> you know, I was thinking though. I'm looking at Frank Mir, right, and and he took a fucking beating, and and, and it makes me always think about some of these fighters. That they're at the tail end of their career and they've taken some hard beatings. It's like how much did you? How much money did you make? And 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 how much should the UFC should the UFC be paying everybody more? Is my is the real question? Or have some kind of like uh, I don't know what it is. Maybe after you reach a certain number of fights, you get a pension well, from them or something, man. That the, says like the, the problem and in all these elements of society, the problem is is the the take. You know, the, the fighters get this much and the organ and the corporations get this much. And in every union and every yeah. walk of life, the battle is how much does the corporation get and how much do the people or the employees yeah. or the laborers or the fighters get? And, and and it's becoming, I think, more and more evident to a lot of people that, that the cut that the fighters get and the cut the UFC gets is a huge disproportionate. Hu- it's, it's now probably a billion dollar company. 
but they're paying. Uh, it's a billion dollar company, I think. You think it's fair to say they're a billion dollar company? I, you know, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. They're pretty damn close to a billion dollar. I mean, they got a Fox deal. They're worldwide. It couldn't get much yeah. bigger. But fighters are not getting paid that much compared to other sports. Well, they're very secretive about their fighter pay. I mean, they they. Why do you think that is? They announce the base pay or the the normal pay that they have to report to the athletic commission. But then they don't they don't talk about any side deals, any back deals, anything else. And so why do you, you think don't they know. want to keep that secret? Well, I think the reason why they do it they is because do it for everybody. some guys get a sweet pot and some guys get jacked some guys down. Don't. They don't want the yeah. guys that don't knowing what the guys that do. And it's like to me, but that's just like where I work or anybody. It's works. just like it's where you work. Thing. But but as spectators, we could say, you know what? We demand that anyone that gets in the UFC who's fighting on this stage should get X amount of dollars. We could say that, but I think most people that are spectating don't really care about the long-term health of the fighters. We just want to see guys get knocked out. I don't know, man. I, I think... Stand them up! I want to see them bang! Stand them up! No, I don't know, man. I I just... I think morally... I think morally, it it's not right. I, I, I don't want to bankrupt... I don't want to bankrupt the company. I, I think the company should make a huge profit, but I, I really, truly believe that they should and they can pay a lot more. I think you're right. Maybe there needs to be like a minimum salary somehow. I don't know. You know what? And if they don't get this fucking shit right, eventually you're going to see a fucking fighters union and then you're going to have a nightmare, Dana White. Yeah, or you're going to see another organization that does get it right. I mean, look, dude, it's all about competition. It's all about uh, things will evolve and, and eventually something that's beneficial for everybody will come out. Do you think it's possible that it's came to a point to where now Dana White has done every positive thing that he's going to do and at this point maybe it's negative? His role, his role left in MMA is you know, now a negative role. Honestly, I don't know enough about the fight business and enough about what he really, truly does to know. Because he's kind of the face of the organization, but there's a lot of smart people that work for the UFC. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? And he's a smart dude, too, and he had the balls to run with this shit. You know, I mean, yeah. what he's done has been very successful. I just, I, It just rubs me the wrong way when I see him blasting Ken Shamrock on Twitter. I think it's pretty, when I see him, yeah. I mean, you look at a guy like Ken. Ken's lost a lot. Like, he's down on his luck. Dana White's up on his luck. Do you really, regardless of what Ken may have said about Dana, Almost like, shouldn't you be a little bit of a bigger person not to kick this fucking dog that's down? It's pretty tough. Yeah, it is. I, I, I think you're right. I, and Dana's in a position where, obviously, they've made some smart business moves that have succeeded. Uh, and, you know, he's kind of set in that sense. And then other fighters can go up and down, but he's kind of set. And so he can talk all the smack he wants. It's know? like, you know, Randy's a bum now. Tito's a bum. Um, Ken's a bum. All the guys they built they the all, business on. <laughs> he said that first. He said no one's done more to hurt the UFC more than Tito. Then he said no one's done more to hurt the UFC than Randy. Now GSP, he's backtracking a little bit on that. Borderline, yeah. He's almost a bum. He will be a bum pretty soon. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, dude. I think that uh, I respect the guy a lot. Don't get me wrong. Dude. I would love to have him on the podcast. I'm pretty I would sure love he just won't to talk to us. <laughs> he's not. He, I guarantee he's not listening to this show. I would love for you to put a bald cap on and be Dana White for uh, Halloween because I think you could pull it off, dude. <laughs> you do. You got a good Dana White. But, man, uh, let's take a quick break, dude. Uh, we're going to come back with Tate Fletcher. I'm super stoked to hear from him, and uh, it's going to be a good show, dude. Be right back. Thank you. 
I'd like to welcome y'all. Everyone listening to the sound of my voice. I'd like to ask you a question. How much are you receiving? And how much have you been given? Because if you ain't been given, you ain't gonna be receiving. You see, you're wondering why every time you go, for your arm bar, they just slip right out. You try to take they backs, and you don't even get your hooks in, they slip right out. And you think that you need to work on your technique. You think you need to work on your training, but that's not what you need to do. What you need to do is give to the Inside BJJ podcast because you've been listening to all these shows, but you ain't been giving. I know who you is. I know what you do, and it's time you gave something back for two dollars a month you could receive more inside bjj and increase your submissions and get blessed back in return because everybody know you can't out you cannot outgive the kingdom of god amen amen all right heads down eyes closed now you might be thinking pastor I like what you say, but I'm not ready right now to give that $2. Well, I got to say to you right now, if you don't give those $2, use a motherfucking punk. Give your money, increase your submissions, and you will be blessed. I'd like to thank y'all for listening to Reverend Framar. Donations can be made to InsideBJJ.com slash premium. And welcome to the Inside BJJ podcast. We're joined on the line with uh, a character in the mixed martial arts world. He's an actor, stuntman, uh, CrossFit extraordinaire. Uh, he has a super radical mustache beard combination that I'm extremely jealous of because I cannot pull it off. The one and only Tate Fletcher. Thanks for joining us this morning, Tate. Thanks, buddy. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing fantastic, man. It's uh, it's good to uh, to get you on. I know I, I bumped into you at the uh, Gracie Nationals in 2013, and uh, we talked a little bit about getting you on, and we went back and forth a little bit. But I'm I'm real happy to have you on this morning, man. It's a, it's a pleasure yeah, yeah. To talk to you. It, it happens happens as it does, right? It takes it, a little time sometimes. It does, man. And one of the things I've I've realized, like with with booking people on the podcast, is that you can't take any of it personal because like everyone's schedules floating and moving and going, and everyone's hustling. And so when it happens, then then that's when it was meant to happen. You know what I'm saying? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. I was thinking that the other day, even just with like getting a hold of friends and like a lot of the guys in my life are, um, you know, super, super vibrant and vital in their lives, and there's a lot of things going on, and so it's like. You may not talk for months, or you may have a phone call in that is like a couple weeks to get back to. But you just there, there becomes an understanding that there's like it's not through a lack of desire, but the life gets so big that it's just like Jesus. There's only so much time, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's funny that you say that though, because those are the kind of people that you want as friends because because they're doing sure. stuff, they're for active, sure. they're living, they're not. The dudes that are sitting yeah. on the couch and are available all day long, they usually don't have much to add. To right. Them, you know? And and usually those guys, what they do have to add is just 
bitching about how it's not going well for them <laughs> while, while they're putting nothing into the stream of life, you know? Yeah. It's because of Obama I can't do shit. <laughs> yeah, right. Right, exactly, or, or whatever, X, Y, Z. Yeah, that's the truth, man. Hey, man, I wanted to talk to you just because I'm a huge fan, and I'm sure you're hearing this a lot, but major fan of Breaking Bad, and I was so happy. A lot to... of people are, strangely <laughs> enough. It's weird. I was so happy to see you on Breaking Bad. I was like, oh, dude, that's Tate Fletcher. What? That was awesome, man. Can, yeah. you, can you talk about that experience a little bit? For sure, man. It was, uh, like, at the time, it was, you know, it was another job that I'd gone into. And, and I, I, don't, I don't, you know, it's one of those things, too. I think the biggest thing that, I, that strikes me about having that job was looking at it. And going, going I, I don't. I wanted that job years before, right? Like I, I wanted that. That's a fucking. That's a dope show to be on, you know. And, yeah. And like, and and I'm and I'm hustling as an actor, as a stuntman, trying to trying to get jobs and trying to promote myself in that way. But uh, like through this, that, and the other, and I, I just never worked on the show. And and then I got asked to be on the previous season, where everybody got stabbed in the prison. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I was going to be one of those guys killing somebody or then getting killed or whatever, and um, and I was on something else. I don't know what. I was on some other show, and I I had to say no, and uh, I was like, "Fuck, man!" And I was pissed, and and uh, and then I, you know, I got a call, and they said, "Hey, man, they're looking for people for this." Uh, for this job on Breaking Bad, and there's they're only looking at guys that have never been on the show before, and then that became you know like there's a lot of guys that like had I ever been on it before I wouldn't have been on it during that time when it was the most exposure when it was the last five episodes of the whole series ever like this epic thing I would have just been another dude on the show like at some point wow. you know and uh, and so. I guess my point being in that, like, even coming into the show and, and not really understanding the grandness of what it all meant until, like, way, like even now, like, looking at it a year later, like, it means something way different to me today than it did a, a year ago. We were filming about a year ago right now. And, um, you know, all, all the things that you think you want in life and all the things, all the ways that you're like, oh, I just need this to go right right now to get attached <laughs> to how it goes instead of just doing the work. It's like, you just got to do the work because the way that I would have formulated that and put it all together would have ended up not being is like the universe wouldn't have been as generous and gracious as it has been with me had I had it gone the way that I thought it should have gone. You know what I mean? And it's like those, those kinds of like taking my ideas out of it. Like I have this very small view of the world that I, that I see everything through and, and it's not the whole story, man. And so when I can just show up and try to be helpful and, put myself in those positions, like that's when the really good stuff happens. When it's me trying to force it into a position and like, I need it to go like this in order for that to happen. And I have some fucking grand plan. <laughs> it always ends up cancerous. There's, there's very few times when that's good. And so like, that's the, like really what I picked from that in a big way. But it, it, then, and that's just like, you know, existential bullshit, but like the, the whole meat of it, of being on it and being present for that was, so lovely and all the people in it were so gracious and kind from Michelle McLaren, who was a producer and a director of it to uh, Brian Cranston, the first day on set, I'd worked on a movie with him like for two days, like maybe eight months before that. And he was like, 
dude, like, he walks up to me by name, like, I'm nobody. And, like, he's just, like, and he's like, hey, Tate, the beard's longer than it was before, man. Looking great. Glad to have you on. And it's like, and it's like, just that kind of, like, you know, I look at all the people in my life that I don't remember their names and how much it fucking means to, like, it's like people, like, that are just, that teach you about, like, here's what class and respect is like. And, yeah. and like, that whole crew was like that from 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 the catering to the grips to the everybody it was a family that you walked into that had been working together making this magic for you know six years seven years before that and uh it was it was really fantastic you know and to hear to hear other people like to hear the stunt coordinator talk about like man here's aaron paul's first day he was shooting the pilot and he can't eat he's thinking of moving back to indiana because fuck acting he can't make it work in la and he's gonna do this one last pilot and he's supposed to die in the first, you know, few episodes and all this shit. And then the writer's strike happened and and he was gonna move back to Indiana and, and, and bag uh acting all together. And then this happened, you know, and then fucking five five uh five seasons later, you know, DreamWorks is making a motion picture with him as the centerpiece. And it's like and it's like that's another indicator of that of like it, it's not the way you think it's gonna go that it goes when it turns out magical. It's it's just showing up, it and uh, so it's crazy. It was it was beautiful, man. I don't know. I could I could talk about a thousand different instances that were fantastic. No, it makes just hearing this shit makes me realize how fucking magical the universe is, and that if you just trust in that fucking magic and do your part, that shit will happen. Yep, yep. Just do your part. It's like it's like in jujitsu. I think too. It's like when you tell guys, well, you got you got to trust the technique, and and, and you've got to believe in it. And and what that means is that. You know, you know, you hear a lot of guys say, well, I mean, you don't do it anymore so much, but you hear guys that are like, fucking armbar doesn't work in MMA. <laughs> or whatever, some genius that just read a uh, jiu-jitsu book four weeks ago is now an expert is talking about. Like, you hear a lot of that stuff, and it's like, well, or we could also say that an armbar just doesn't work for you because you suck at armbars right now, <laughs> and you haven't put in the work to get good at armbars. Like, it's not that it doesn't work, and yeah. so... The whole thing of trusting that technique and, and believing in it is going, it's not the arm bar that's broken. It's me that's broken. And how do I form myself so that I'm in unity with the arm bar so that that's my shit too? And I, I think that, that, that becomes the, the bigger conversation of like going, I, I need to be accountable to my life, not my life needs to be accountable to me. It's an empowering thing. And it's like, you got to take yourself out of the victim role in order to fucking kick that ass at life. You know? Yeah, I think you're right. I, there just seems to be such a huge issue with, uh, taking ourselves out of, out of the center picture. You know what I mean? Like I, it's not all about who I am and what I'm doing. It's about everything and how I fit into yeah. that. And it's funny you, you yeah. talk about jujitsu because jujitsu is one of those things that when you're learning it, if you're if you're trying to force things to happen and you're trying to overthink exactly. and make, nothing, you can't do anything right, man. And then those those very few times, you know, and I think you get better at it as you go as you get involved in it more, where you kind of take yourself out of it and you're like, look, I'm just gonna go with it. Whatever happens, that's gonna happen, and I'm gonna I'm gonna just see where it takes me. And you end up doing amazing things, and you're like, oh, oh, crap, man! Like, there's some really cool stuff going on that I wasn't even aware of yet. You know, kind of. Yeah, when guys, when guys talk about the, the flow, right? Exactly. Dude, um, th- this is up my alley because I've been literally, I've been on and off doing jujitsu for like ten years, but it was always a year stop, a year stop. So, I'm ten years into this shit, and I'm a fucking white belt. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I'm fucking 39, and it's not till now I'm like, fuck, I'm not going to quit this shit till I fucking at least get to a goddamn fucking blue belt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, like guys are like, oh, I've been doing it, ten, like, doing it 10 years means a lot of different things for a lot of different guys. <laughs> one, guy in our, one guy in our system, he's just got his black belt um, from, from Eddie um, this last week. Uh, this guy... Uh, Gio Martinez and, and his, his brother, uh, Boogie Martinez, upcoming MMA fighter. Um, and Boogie's a brown belt, and Gio just got a black belt. And uh, and he's been at jiu-jitsu for three years and some change. Wow. <laughs> right? And so, yeah, that 10 years, it means different things for different guys. And, and really the thing is, is that, like, Gio was at, you know, a perfect age and the perfect job or lack thereof. <laughs> um, that, that, like his, he didn't have kids. Like his responsibilities were such that his responsibility was becoming a j- kick-ass jiu-jitsu player, yeah. and so that's what his mind. That's the videos he looks at. Like his life was engulfed by it, and like that's that's how I was when I first started jiu-jitsu. It's like, um, you know, we didn't even have TV then at that time. They, they didn't invent that till later, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was like you know you get you get into it and you're like like you're talking about those those first instructionals or you're talking about like that that old fucking magazine uh, full contact fighter or every four months in black belt they would put a grappling issue out and you'd be like oh awesome and the, you know there's like a a six step submission for a clock choke or something that you're studying and you go to a class with four guys that are also just brand new in jiu-jitsu and they're like God where did you learn that choke what'd you do and I'm like got this grappling magazine right there when I, like it's like but it's like you're just absorbing stuff from wherever you can competing like a savage all the time and it, and it becomes a thing of you know do i want to be good at this or do i want to be a hobbyist and and then if i want to be a hobbyist um it's almost to me in a way like doing um cardio kickboxing or something it's like it's yeah. like if i'm not going to be about it like if i don't want to be excellent why am i touching it yeah like what's what and so really the guy that I say that's ten years in a white belt is like is like when are you gonna when are you gonna really own it? And when are you gonna go to yourself and be like, This is a gift I'm gonna give my future self because if I'd have paid even just ten percent more attention for the last ten years, I would easily be a brown belt right now. Easily. Like why did I rob myself of that and give myself this frustration that I have right now at thirty nine years old? No, and those, dude, those that's are true. questions. You know, that, that, those are I mean, good and, questions. And, and there's always reasons. I get it. There's always reasons. But a reason is just another word for an excuse. And, and when you're living in a life and you're going, I want function and performance in my life, there's either I'm getting this done or I'm not getting this done. The reason doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that I, I got sick or that I got a flat tire. None of that happened. I either showed or I didn't. And and, and like and, and when you when you get serious about, like, I want to put – parameters on my life and i want to put borders on it to where i'm going to live inside this kind of integrity fucking great shit can happen no you're totally right in 39 white belt 10 years but there's this light that's gone off in my fucking head where i realize i'm going to do this fucking shit or i'm going to die those are my two fucking choices and this 10-year grind has actually helped me a lot in my regular jobs where i get the grind and you keep fighting and you keep moving and as long as you keep fighting and moving you're going to be making progression for sure. It's just that I think, you know, the biggest thing is, is it's just consistency, right? It's just showing up and then going, regardless, and you pick your days, whatever it is. If it's every day, if it's three days a week, if it's once a week, whatever, but you never fucking miss. You stay accountable 
to whatever it is that you say in that way, and that's when it happens. It's when you go, oh, I'm going to skip school one time. It's like that's when it turns into months, and then that's when it, you become a white belt again. Yeah, that's when it turns know? into years, and <laughs> god damn, I've lived yeah, that too many times. For, for sure. Yeah. I th- and, and it's not that big a deal. It's not like I'm going to do this or die. I mean, that is some dramatic Kim Kardashian shit. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like either I'm having fun and I'm learning or I'm not. And if I'm not into it, do I need to have a blue belt ever? Or what? You know what I mean? It becomes yeah. like that. It's like I, Greg Jackson told me that once when, when I, I was like, fuck, man, I don't know. I'm fucking 34 and I don't know if I'm going to, like, all, all this shit. Like, I had a lot of shit in my head, a lot of reasons, you know? had all these reasons of why not or what, like, and, and it's just some pussy shit that I had in my head. And he said, listen, okay, Miss, you're either fucking having fun or you're not. If you're not having fun training and shit, then, then take a break. Stop. Do something that you're, you're liking. And I was like, ah, it's about the fun. It's like, I'm either learning and I'm having fun or what am I doing? Every other reason that came to my head that I, why I was doing it was all ego reasons. Yeah. It wasn't about fun and it wasn't about being helpful to the guy next to me. And and when it's not about that, I, I might as well stay home anyway. Do you think that sometimes what happens is we, we develop a, a certain identity with what we're doing? Like I'm a I'm a jujitsu guy, or I'm a MMA fighter, or I'm a this, I'm a that. And even though you're not having fun and you're not enjoying what you're doing, you still feel like you're bound to that identity. Like people perceive me as this kind of a guy. And then if I stop, then what are they going to think? And it, and it's totally ego driven, but it holds you back. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, I've had a lot of those things in, in my life of like, who are you now? Kind of is what I call it. You know, who are you now? Without that girlfriend, who are you now? Without that job, without that money in your pocket, without Nobody knows you. You moved to a brand new city and you're completely alone. Who are you now without the people that used to know you? Like all that stuff. And I think for fighters, it is like really in my heart in a huge way because I see it all over the place, you know. And and uh, people talk about, oh, that guy, you know, people talk, they talk with such ignorance. It's like either he's got, um, that dude's got a glass jaw or that dude's got a jaw of steel or whatever, right? And then, oh, that, and people used to say that like about, a guy, a good friend of mine, that is 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 uh, he's got a fucking trust. He's got a head like a cinder block. Blah blah blah. And then oh, he's got a glass jaw now. Now he's nobody. And you go from being the guy that's got torpedoes in every limb to a guy that is just like oh, he's washed. And it's like we talk this way about other humans, about other men that are excelling, that are at the top end of elite elite athleticism, and and then we diminish them after they become heroes. And it's kind of like. It, it, it only speaks, it never speaks to that guy. It always speaks to the guy whose fucking mouth that shit is coming out of. Yeah. But the thing is about all that stuff is like, we stay too long. Like when I was going, you're either going to fight, you're, you're not fighting for the UFC at this point. And so the road is only really down from there because there's only these regional shows and then there's the destruction, that the acquisition and destruction of these regional shows by Dana. Um, and so where do you go? Even though maybe your paydays are better, maybe it's like, oh, in Hawaii they'll pay me 20 grand or, or whatever, as opposed to five and five in the UFC or whatever they're offering, you know what I mean? But, like, you look at, you look at things like that and, and you go, but this is who I am. When I walk into the grocery store, there's a little kid that goes, that's that guy I saw on TV or whatever. And it's like, it feels good, man. It's like you go from being a jiu-jitsu athlete. I mean, it was the first time I didn't think good in my life was being a jiu-jitsu competitor. And, and, uh, and it felt awesome. To wear a shirt that was like a, with all those sponsors on the back that said competitor, yeah. you're like, oh, fuck it, man. I'm different than 
well, I'm uncommon. I'm doing this thing that's hard and that I, I, I'm proud of, you know? And um, I think the same thing being a fighter. It just amps it up. But then you get a couple losses. You get knocked out a couple times, this, that, and the other thing. And it's like, so who are you now? You got to do something different. What job do you go to now? What's your after plan now? When you've had to live so in the present of being, having your acting and be at top level all the time and always looking to increase that. And now you're not going to maybe do that. Who are you now? And I think that's a huge thing. And when you talk about, oh, he's a jiu-jitsu guy or he's this or that, you pigeonholed yourself into bondage. You know, now you're, you're in this, you're, you've locked yourself in a room that has jiu-jitsu on the door or that has fighter on the door or whatever. And your world is as big as that closet. Do you think and it's like that's, that's fear, right? For sure. Do Sorry, you, go ahead. Do, do you think that's why a, a lot, of, and not just with fighters, but it seems like athletes in general have so much trouble knowing when it's time to step away and then when they step away, man, dudes get involved in drugs and this and that, and you see these tremendous falls. You know, you see guys that were at this such a high peak and they have a lot of money or whatever, and then, you know, 10 years later, they're in a terrible place. Is it because they can't answer that question, you know, who am I now, unless they have all the trappings of what they were used to in terms of, like, you know, the fame and the attention and, and being able to do what they did? That's a big part of it. I think even like it's also because the society that surrounds that it it really it heralds the gladiator, and and I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, uh, being a part of the warrior class is a huge thing, and it's a separate thing than the guy that's that's a spectator, it, and it, and and it just is. And um, and and you're you're looking. I mean, there's dudes that are like, take a picture with my wife. Go ahead and go upstairs with her if you want. I mean, there's fucking crazy people that are out there that surround that that are like. Oh, my daughter loves you. Like, it's fucking, it's to the, to the point where it's it's super creepy, super unhealthy. But, like, you got people that are supporting you in a way like that, buying you booze, fucking here's an eight ball, fucking, like, whatever. There are just dudes that just want to be close to greatness, right? And because they've seen you on TV, they're, they're delusionally saying that this means greatness. And if you start thinking that you're so much different because you're on TV, you're suffering from that same delusion. And and when that stuff starts happening and you do that for two years, three years, it doesn't take long to where you expect that. And you go from that kind of a height to being a guy that's, you know, I don't know, like everybody goes and they want to start a gym and then that fails because athletes are not business people. But like, you know, you, you go from that to whatever other job you're doing. There's nothing that's like that. It's like, it's like being a, a high level rock star, except you're broke all the time. Like you don't have any money. But you got porn stars and cheerleaders and fucking whoever else, people buying you dinner and like you're living a life that is just like beyond what you ever thought possible. And then there's nothing. And 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 then so you go from being the one guy to being the guy that they're saying, Oh, he's washed up now. You know what I mean? And it's like that's a huge thing. And so like I said, if your ego is so messed up to begin with that you're already buying into all that shit. Well, it doesn't get better when there's less money and there's less attention and all that stuff. So, yeah, that's a huge, you know, there's, there's a couple of reasons for that. Another reason guys stay too long, though, is because we love what we're doing. Like, we love, like, I look at it, dude, I go down to Jackson's and I sit and I watch and I'm like, you know, I take friends to go watch sparring or something. Now, it's not healthy to go and spar. Yeah. It's just not, you know what I mean? <laughs> And to to do that for no reason, like I would do it when my teeth or a shot are getting ready for a fight. There's not a lot of big dudes to move around with, and I, and and there's just like I I love my team and that fellowship, and and so I'm doing that for those reasons. But it's not smart. 
and and it's not there's no at any rate it's not you know and so so you you're you're sticking around because you love it and I go and I sit there then and I go and some friends want to go and watch these guys um uh you know, work out, move around, and I and I start to get a hunger for it, yeah. and I want to do that too. And I know that's a hundred percent the wrong thing for me to do. Like it's not healthy for me, brain wise, uh, or anything. I, I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not that guy anymore. You know, and um, and so when I look at it through that kind of a prism, it's like there is that love for it, but it's like I'm not turning to drugs or booze or anything. It's like, man, I'm, I, I go pull on into this other life i've got these other interests and it's like a lot of the dudes that are that are out it's like it's it's kind of like that old thing you know when people go well if you're bored a lot you're probably boring yeah you know and, and how do you not be bored you be interested in a lot of different things and how do you be interesting and vital in your life you get interested and you get good at a lot of other things like that's just that it's just the laws of the universe it's physics it's just how it works and and uh, so I just try not to be monodimensional in that way. And I go, well, here's the next thing that I want to be really good at. I still want to do jujitsu. I can do that without without any damage to my life. You know, awesome. I'm going to do that. It also makes me vital because like there's dudes like I have to go into a room now. I'm not just like I don't know. It was for years. Like I walk into almost any room. It would be uncommon for there to be guys that are going to be able to get me in that yeah, room. You know what I mean? It's just, it's not, it's not, it's not happening. And, and, uh, but, but, but now, like, I'm, I don't know, that hasn't happened either in a while, except, but, but you look at that, there's dudes, there, that, that Geo dude, he might smash me. You know, I've yeah. never rolled with him, but like, that's a top level competitor. And, and I'm not. And so coming to like, go, I'm not this guy anymore and going, are you here to learn or are you here because you need to be the best guy in the room, asshole? You know? <laughs> and, and I go, oh, okay, I'm just here to learn and have fun. And and what does tapping or not tapping mean? It doesn't mean anything. None of it means anything. Did you it's have... like I'm either having fun and I'm part of a fellowship and a brotherhood or I'm not. So, you know, I guess I learned how to stay, how do I stay in it in different ways? You know, how do I learn to stay in it, um, like engaged in in that feeling of like, of that adrenaline and of that camaraderie and of all the things that I think were, that were that were good for me fighting and stay powerful in the conversation. Like, how, how do I do all that stuff? And I think, you know, you just find other ways to do it the more your interests are varied, you know? Did you have a hard time making that transition personally? Like, you, I mean, know, you know, you go from you're on the Ultimate Fighter and you were fighting in the UFC, and it was at a time when the Ultimate Fighter – and the UFC were really on the way up in terms of popularity. Yeah, it, was like, it was like catching lightning in a bottle in a way, just being part of it, you know? Yeah, uh, it, I mean, it was all unreal, you know? It was, it was crazy. It was, it was beautiful. Um, I mean, you know, you're, you're a guy that's kind of like, there, there's a few of us that were the the pathfinders kind of for MMA in, in the Southwest anyway. I mean, there was like four or five of us, you know? Um, at that time, it was like, like like me and Diego and Carlos and Keith and and like Floyd Sword and Joey Bill Senior. It's like there's just a handful of dudes that are that are out there, and then that 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 built from there, you know. And um, and really thanks to Greg Jackson, years of of uh, but he and Mister Winklejohn, Mike Winklejohn, one of the best kickboxers in the world. For those guys to go and just put in endless unpaid hours 
with a bunch of dudes that had a dream and they believed. And, and then you look where that is now, but none of what is there now was present eight years ago, 10 years ago. Like the, there was none of us that were going to be in the UFC. There was none of us that were going to be able to fight in pride. There's like, that was ridiculous. Yeah. Like, there's all these regional shows and stuff and whatever. And it's like, and it's like, fuck all that happened. And we just kept working hard until it happened. And, and so, um, was it was it hard? It, it was yeah. For me, it was like there's a lot of introspection, man, and it, and it is hard. Fuck yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. Life's <laughs> hard. Get a helmet. You know, whatever. <laughs> it, it, once you accept that it's hard, you can go out from there strongly. If you're thinking it's going to be easy, I mean, I live on a goddamn planet that on any day can vary from negative forty degrees to 180 or 100 105 degrees on any day, depending where I am globally. And I'm so egocentric that I expect to be comfortable in my life. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm just made of skin over here. Like, I don't know anything. And, 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 and the thing is, is, yeah, there's going to be discomfort. It's, and, but, but that is what forms us. That's what gives us character, you know? I mean, if, if you're out there keeping your kid from falling down and skinning his knees because you never want to see him skin his knees because you love him so much, you're actually make, you're crippling him. You know yeah, what I mean? You got you just sometimes you got to skin your knees, man, and uh, and that experience is definitely like that. You got raw skin for a long time, in, in not a physical way, but in a in a psychic way. You know, like it's it's tough, but you know, I, I'm always a real big like like I said, man. I, I'm I'm just I'm, I'm inches from needing to wear Velcro shoes because I'm almost too dumb to tie them myself. <laughs> but, but 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 like I, I I've got beautiful people around me that are my pillars, man. I've got this picket fence around me that, that lifts me up when I don't feel like I can and that, that I can bounce things off of and go, am I looking at this the right way? And, and all that stuff, man. And, and, and due to those conversations and being able to bear myself and feel safe in that and going, here's my weakness exposed. How, how, how do you think I should, you know, move in the next little bit? Cause I don't even know where to put my feet. And like, when, when you get like that, you just, I mean, fuck, life is like that, and it's raw, and, and none of us have a, a, a playbook how to do it. Like, we need each other, and, and we need the people around us that, that are willing to try, that aren't willing to shy away from these, these truths, these things that happen. And as men, if, to the extent that we shy away from the question of who are you now, it's to the extent that you have zero to offer the world, because you've never suffered through anything. Yeah. You, you don't have anything to offer at all except cowardice. And, and I never wanted that. I always wanted to be an uncommon man. That was the one thing since I was a little boy. I was like, I would see these common-ass hypocrites walking around with their common-ass jobs. And I was like, man, I, I don't fucking want that. It's, 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 it's kind of, you know, it, it's just, it's, uh, I wanted to have a different conversation with life, and I didn't know what it would look like. And I'm so grateful that I've had the people in my life that have helped me to have the experience that I've had recently. Yeah, it's, it's a just, it's a very honest approach. It's not, it's not me. It's not me. You know, I've been very fortunate. For sure, I want I wanted to get your opinion on because uh, because I think it ties in in a very uh, I don't know I wouldn't call it spiritual way, but just just in a way with with Eddie Bravo. You know, he had this huge match ten years ago against Hoyler Gracie, and literally. Tapping Hoyler Gracie propelled himself into this whole limelight of the jiu-jitsu world, and he's kind of been a lightning rod of controversy, not really because he wanted to be, just because the jiu-jitsu community is like, they either love Eddie or they hate Eddie, it seems like. And, and you know, I've been um, 
observing this over the last few years, and a lot of people have wanted to see him fight Hoyler Gracie again, and 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 for various reasons, either one of those guys could have said no, not interested. You know, they're both not super active competitors in the terms of like the the current competition scene and and all that stuff, but. But they're both decided, like, hey, Metamorph 3 is going to go down. A lot of people want to see this. Obviously, you know, they're not doing it for free, which they shouldn't have to. Uh, but they're both willing to put it back out there on the line again and, and to see what happens. And it's an interesting thing because Eddie took that that one match that he won, and obviously he had put in a lot of work up to that time. It wasn't like he just showed up at Abu Dhabi and was like, hey, man, you know, Taps Hoyler, and, and you know, he hasn't been training jujitsu. Uh, but, you know, he's built a whole system of schools and, and, and he's a pretty big name in the jiu-jitsu world, but he's willing to take all that and set it aside and, and go up again and, and fight Hoyler Gracie. W- w- what's your thought on that, man? How do you think that ties into what, what, what we're what, talking about? What's your, what's your thought on that? Well, you know what? <laughs> I'll tell you. I, I think that uh, from talking to Eddie, we had Eddie on last week, and, and oh, good. the feeling I get is that Eddie's a pretty humble dude in I've talked to a lot of guys in the jujitsu world and a lot of them are different when you're recording versus when you're not recording, you know, Eddie always is the same dude. Like he just says the same things. He'll tell you the same thing. And one of the things he said that kind of struck me was he said, I don't know how I'm going to do when I step on that stage to fight. He's like, I might, I might do great. I might freeze up. I don't know, but I'm going to do it. You know? And I, and I like yep. that approach it was very open and honest and like, Hey, this is a this is a, a stage that's being set and there's an event that's happening and I have a role and I'm gonna play my part and I'm gonna be there and let it unfold as it unfolds and Here, here's the thing here's the thing that Eddie is is Eddie is a hundred and ten percent attached to the truth. He doesn't have uh, uh, any kind of outrageous sense of himself nor really of others. Eddie, Eddie goes to promote those around him more than he, he, he never does real self-promotion. And, and, and Eddie is one of my, not just my jiu-jitsu coach, but he's one of my best teachers in my life and, and a fantastic friend. And, 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 and that's, just, that's just real. That's just real of who he is in, in the world and what his stand is and what he stands for. The thing about this thing with, 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 yeah, we hear all this shit with, uh, you know, it's always, I always say the fans are the, the number one ugliest and worst part of mixed martial arts <laughs> and, and, and of combat sports because a lot of those guys are super duper big, fat, titty, tough guys <laughs> that have never, have never put anything on the goddamn line ever in their lives. And they shrink with cowardice from the thing of who are you now or who would I really be if I went out. And I and I and I I slapped hands with somebody across the mat, and there was people that were my family and my friends and loved ones, and people that hated me and couldn't wait to see me fail, and everybody watching me while I'm sitting there in my underwear, and I might get dominated in the most <laughs> primal way by another man, and then I'm going to do it again if I happen to win in 20 minutes from now with another guy, and it all might happen again, and to do that hundreds of times in your life. If you are a fucking spectator that has a mouthful of anything to say about athletes, go fucking kill yourself because you don't have any fucking idea about life. And maybe I'll send you a T-shirt that just says, I am completely missing the point. <laughs> That's what I have to say about that. Because the thing is about Eddie, like all the, all the haters out there that are going, 
that, that are the do-nothings of this world that are just, I, I, my heart feels for them because they just have no idea. And if they had a little inkling of an idea and could attach to their own greatness, God, what a beautiful revolution that would be. And, and so to you out there that are listening in that way, I feel sorry for your own cowardice and fear, and I hope one day you can get past it and go, I've got an expiration date in this life, and I'm going to get the most out of it that I can now and try to help and affect change in the most people that I can. I, that is my hope for you. That is my prayer. But as far as Eddie going and pushing on and, and, and get, taking this match, he tried to do it at the last Metamorphs too, and, and uh, it didn't work out. And thank goodness it's working out now. I think it's fantastic for the whole jiu-jitsu community, and I think it's fantastic for the schism that maybe it got created uh, that, that both these men are coming together to allow this to happen again. The people that go and say, Eddie built his whole career. Like, I was there for this, man. The people that say, Eddie built his career on Hoyler's name. Really? Because that's when you as a hobbyist heard the name Eddie Bravo, maybe. For those of us, like, I was in that world, man. And, and so for those of us that were competing at that time, that didn't have mouths full of shit, but instead had, had, a, had a heart full of fucking air and, 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 and went out and, and competed and knew those people, Eddie was uh, on fire on the, on the competition circuit. And, and he went through, and he earned his spot to, to get on Abu Dhabi, to, to compete at Abu Dhabi. That is not an easy seat. That is all the best grapplers in the world that are going to do that. So that, that's the first thing. Just because you didn't know it happened and you're like, he made his name by this. It's like, for sure, that was a great accomplishment. That was a guy that I don't think any points had been scored on him in, in, in Abu Dhabi, let alone he'd been finished before then. Right. Like, Hoyler was the best pinnacle athlete ever in the world at that time. Like, he was it. He was the best. And, and so when, when I look at it through – so that's, that's – and I'm sorry for being so passionate for, for no, man, taking up time. No, no, we love but, it. We love but, it. But, but, the, but, but the background has to be set up. Like, those are the facts of what, what the air was like at that time. And so then Eddie went and he, and he did what, not just beating him, but to be able to catch a submission and finish a man of that caliber, I mean, it was, it was unheard of. And, and it was a beautiful thing. And then people go, well, it was a lucky triangle or whatever. It's like, I don't know that I've ever seen anybody catch a lucky submission. Like, that seems crazy. There's lucky punches. Like, I mean, a, a coconut can fall out of the sky and catch a lucky punch and knock you out. But to, to get a, a highly technical move on the best grappler in the world and call that luck, that seems crazy to me. It, does, it only speaks to your own ignorance that that's your argument, right? Yeah. And so, like, 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 so that happened. All we have is the fact that it happened. Did it mean Hoyler sucked? God, no. Did it mean Eddie was the best? God, no. It means that he caught a submission on that day, and, and, and he won. That, that's all it meant. And then he built a school on it. And that's the other thing that people say is, uh, you know, he, he came up and he, um, he you know, pinned up uh, his whole life based on this one win and all that. And then he made up his names and, you know, God damn it, the Twisters are wrestling guillotine. And it's kind of like, uh, uh, okay, like, but we named stuff. Mark Lehman named stuff also, Oda Cobra Kai. It's like we had names for moves so that other competitive schools wouldn't, wouldn't know exactly what we were doing when we are talking to them both in the same language. So we set up a whole system. But that's what I thought it was for at the time. But, but Eddie's a genius, man. And what Eddie was doing was creating a pathway so we could go A, B, C, D, checkmate. 
And if you miss C, you're not getting a checkmate. And so he had names, and he really made jiu-jitsu like chain wrestling, to where it was like chain jiu-jitsu. It was like Greco-Roman on the ground. Squeezes, control, keeping control. This move is 100% holding the guy, going to this move, which is 100% holding the guy, going to this move, which finishes the guy. And, and, and I mean, it, and it, it's, it's beautiful. I haven't, I've never seen another system like that. I believe it's the, it's the best system in the world. For, for teaching a, a guy about, about jiu-jitsu, for no gi jiu-jitsu, um, and even for gi jiu-jitsu, it translates greatly. And, uh, and, and I know that's a mouthful, and people are probably sick of hearing me talk, but um, <laughs> it's just, you know, all that stuff about people's opinions, about Eddie Bravo and about this and that and whatever, um, you know, if, if, you're, if, you got, if you got anything to say that's negative, like, I give you that whatever, but, but you're wrong. Because you're, you're talking about a tremendously talented guy, a tremendously gracious and giving guy that is one of the kindest people that you'll ever meet in your life. And, and, and just to say that is just like you're, just, you're a mean person, you know? And, and then you, and you, can't, you can't sleep on that talent, man. But, I mean, the fucking dude has got snaps, like, all over the place in ways that you're like, I've never thought of that. Like, I think he's doing one thing. And he's doing something completely different, and and it's for a whole other purpose. And it, it's, I mean, I'm just super proud and privileged, and 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 maybe like if I sound like I'm gushing or whatever, <laughs> like like Eddie's a Eddie's a great friend. He's a great teacher to me. Uh, I'm proud to know him, and it's a privilege that I've run into him in my life, and we've been able to have the relationship we've had. And and it's it's nothing that I would say. None of that stuff is anything I would say about anybody that didn't really merit that a hundred thousand percent. You know, and and that's 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 it. How big of an X factor do you think having um working with John Jock's going to be in in this match coming up? You know, I talked to Eddie yesterday or the day before, and he's like, you know, John Jock's is is his, uh, is his number one training partner. You know, that's his master, and that's uh, and that's the guy that is uh, is putting in work with him and and um, sharpening different tools for him right now. And and I, you know, I just. I believe it'll be huge, you know, not only confidence and love. I mean, that's the thing is like, we're a family, man. Like, like Planet Jiu-Jitsu and like, and like all the boys at the death squad and, 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 uh, and that, that whole group, all my guys, all my guys in Santa Fe and in Albuquerque, uh, like, it's like, we're, we're a huge family. And, 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 and even people listening that don't know, man, you're, you're family too. And it's like, when you really are, are looking at the world in a way where, where, where there's love and there's appreciation, for everybody that exists in it and that everybody's family, like I, I think having John Jock and having that, like that's a pillar for Eddie and having that strength and confidence right there. It's like when he's tired training, when he's like, it, it means something to have a coach of that caliber there. And what a beautiful thing, you know, I, I, I think it's fantastic. And, and of course it'll make a difference. It'll all, it'll all make a difference. Yeah, I think it, I, actually, I, I think that is going to be the X factor. Um, because you got an amazing guy like that, and it's one match that you're working on, not more than one. It's one no, no, guy. One, one match, and you know the guy, all of it. Yeah, man. You know, that's the thing, too, is I, I think, you know, I don't know that there's an X factor per se. Like, one man is not like, ooh, this made all the difference. It's like everybody made all the difference. If all the things in my life hadn't lined up and all the last right turns that didn't happen and all the ones that happened and the guy that I ran into this morning and said hello to and, and all of that stuff like I, I can't say that any one bit of it 
didn't matter. It all matters. It all matters, right? And yeah. so, like that, that being the thing, I think Eddie, Eddie, uh, you know, when I told you about being 39 in a white belt, it's like <laughs> so the difference between you and Eddie is that Eddie's been consistent. So for the last 10 years or whatever, like I don't know what Hoyler's been doing. He might be training like a goddamn savage <laughs> every day of his life, always. I don't know. But I know that Eddie has been. And, and Eddie's been getting stronger and better and that he's a different athlete. And, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, you can't, you can't make up, like, if you think, oh, last year I heard I'm going to have this competitive match against this guy and I'm going to start training hard now. It's like that training never really stopped for Eddie because Eddie was developing a system. And Eddie has all of us out here in the world that are, are uh, in little laboratories that are trying stuff on different right. guys and all that. And so Eddie wants to know about all that stuff. And Eddie is, is he's the king, man. He's, he's, he is the maestro in, in all that. And so he's proud of that. And he also isn't going to take it lightly. And, and he respects it all enough that he's out there trying it and, and, uh, and getting it exact and getting it right for all these years. He is, he's been the most hardworking instructor that I've ever seen in, in jiu-jitsu ever. I see a lot of guys that are instructors. You become an instructor, you got to worry about your students. You got to worry, and and to be able to do that and be a savage athlete as well, man, that's uncommon. But that's who Eddie Bravo is. I don't know that I could do that. I wasn't that guy, but Eddie Bravo is that guy. So I I think that anybody that's like, oh, it's a fluke. Like I predict, man, and I don't know. I said this on my Facebook, but like I predict that it, it, it could be. Uh, Eddie Bravo's submission in, in under six minutes. Like, he's that strong. He's Damn. Fuck, man. I'm excited yeah. for it. I'm excited. I don't know what's going to happen. I know that Jiu-Jitsu wins and that um, I'm really I'm really proud to be alive in this time when I can see something, when I can see some greatness like that, you know? Because yeah, it's right. going to be great. It'll, it's a, you know, it is what it is. It's going to be a beautiful thing. How big do you think this sport could be? Man, I think that it could be, I mean... I think it could be huge, but, you know, the thing is, is like, you know, when people are like, oh, put it in high school or put it in, you know, do this or that or whatever, it's like, that's one thing that, you know, could happen for sure, but, but the other thing is, is that the beautiful thing about jiu-jitsu is it's like people that want it. It's people that 100% want it. When you get people that are hungry that want it, that's what makes it grow, and that's what makes it great. And, like, we're just giving it to people People kind of disrespect it and all that. It's yeah. like jiu you have to work you have to work for. And that's what makes it great, is because there's a work ethic that gets taught. Like I got disciplined because of jujitsu. It wasn't like I walked in disciplined. I mean, I was a junkie and a drunk. And yeah. and jujitsu disciplined me. Jujitsu opened my life. Like that's what you so like when I'm like, Yeah, if you don't do jujitsu and you don't respect jujitsu, then do jujitsu I'm like, then fuck you. You know, that's kinda <laughs> how I feel like then then jujitsu's not for you. You know, like, and, and that's fine, but let's not pretend because, because I know the power that jujitsu has. It has the power to fucking change your life. And Eddie told a couple of my coaches once, I have a CrossFit gym too, man, and Eddie was out in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and he goes, uh, he's saying to him, there are a couple of girls, and, uh, and, uh, and one girl I used to date, you know, and, uh, and she's dope. Um, her name is Heather, and he goes, Heather, what do you like? And he's like, why don't you guys do jiu-jitsu? And I, I don't know, whatever. And he goes, wouldn't you like to be able to choke Tate? <laughs> finish him to choke him? And fucking, and Heather 
started lit up. She's like, yes. And he's like, what if I said that you could do that? If you could fucking press a button, then you could do that. And she go, he goes, would you press the button? And she goes, absolutely. He says, well, the button is right there. And it just takes six months or a year to press it. Like, that, that's the thing. It's like, in that way, time's not really real, right? It's like, that button, you can flip that switch. It takes six months to flip the switch before jiu-jitsu is fun and it's part of your life. But you have to do it every day or most of the days of your week for six months or something. Because at that point, you're not the bitch that is the fish that everybody finishes all the time. You don't understand it. At that point, you start to understand the system. And then you get to maybe get a tap or two. Like, I remember the first time I got to tap somebody. Holy fuck. I remember the guy I used to battle with all the time. This guy, Chris Torres. And uh, we would fucking battle, dude. And we'd have epic, epic, long, long battles. And neither of us were in very good shape. So those epic battles were sometimes seven minutes before somebody would get too tired to continue, right? But when you get too tired, you'd feel the other guy. You were so close, you could feel him break. And then you'd finish him. And, and I remember he took like two weeks off, bro. And then fucking he came back. And I smashed him every fucking time. Wow. And he could never touch me ever again. Not ever again. And at that point, I go, that's what consistency does. You know, and, 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 and so he's a guy that's also been at it for 15 years now. And is, I think, a, a blue belt or a purple belt or something. Maybe maybe a blue belt. Like, and, uh, and, that, and that's the difference. It's like, it's like he allowed himself the generosity and the kindness to go, you deserve a couple days off. And I was rigid with myself, and I was like, there are no fucking days off. There's this life right now. Do you want to yeah. have this life or don't you? Yeah. Man, it's a uh, – people hear that sometimes, and they say, like, ah, you know, he's an extremist, but it, it really is the reality. If, if you want something and you really want it and you're willing to be committed to it, that's that's the commitment you have to make. And, and I mean, I've talked – I've talked about this on the show before. I was a dude that started jujitsu, totally unathletic, like overweight, just completely out of my element. And I was getting smashed by dudes forever. And I remember dudes, one guy in particular joined the first day I did, murdered me. He trained for about six months. He disappeared. He came back a year later and I was consistent. And I thought, man, I'm going to get him now. He murdered me again. Right. And I'm like, dude, I've been training for a year. This guy's been gone. He came back. He beat me again. Guy disappears six months later. I mean, the same story. Eventually, though, the guy comes back and he's nowhere near. You know what I mean? It's like he's not even he's that's, not that's even the in the picture. Like, I'm like you, like not super talented, not super anything, right? And I'm just a guy that showed up and wouldn't stop. Now, I I also have had the benefit of seeing a lot of guys come and go. The guys that are super talented, that are really good, like those phenom type dudes, like the dude you're describing. Yeah, they disrespect it too because they go, "Oh, this is easy for me. He does all this work, and I can still get him." Yeah. And it's about getting it. It's not about getting better. It's about that I get that one singular human. That is fucking stupid. <laughs> the guys that are super talented like that—that's a retarded guy that's all ego based. It right? is. No, you're totally so, right. So, so that guy, no matter if he beat you that day, that guy is a hundred percent not winning today. He's not winning in life. It's like that's a broken mind. And, and, and like, and, and I only have that to the benefit of over a decade of seeing guys like that. But, you know, like, it, you know, just, it's like that thing, just because there's a goalie doesn't mean you can't score. It's like there's going to be dudes and there's going to be dudes that are always better than you. Even if, and so what? Does it matter? Am I yeah. getting, like, 
That's why I love going and like, we're going to fly to Florida. We're going to go to Pan Am. It's like, I get to see guys from all over the world and I get to fucking slap skin with them and see if I'm better than them or not. And that's not just guys in my school or in my area. Those are dudes from all over the world. And then I'm standing on a podium with those guys because I'm one of the top three best guys in the fucking world. And that's fucking rad. Yeah, you don't know that until so you go and try and compete. And if you're the guy that comes in and kicks the shit out of a white belt every now and then in your hometown, congratulations, asshole. Have fun bouncing forever at the door at the local nightclub. Like, whatever. You know what I mean? There's nothing special about that. You're not inspiring anybody. You're a selfish douche all by yourself that's scared you're hanging on to some title between you and another white belt. Awesome. I hope that really gets you somewhere. The thing you said that matters is commitment. And, and when, I, when I look at commitment, that's, that's the thing. That's all it is. And maybe it sounds like I'm an extremist in, in jiu-jitsu or in what, whatever it is. But, like, it's like your relationship or, like, whatever. And I used to read definitions of, like, from some stupid girl or whatever that writes, get yourself a committed man, ladies, or whatever. And I'm like, oh, fuck that fucking tired cunt. She doesn't even know what she means. And she's killing me. And, and, uh, but the fact is, is that's what, I'm the idiot. I'm the dumb one. Why am I taking my definition from her? Because I can show you exactly how to hit a double leg perfectly. I can show you all the movement. I can show you all the technique. I can show you the posture. But what I cannot show you is the level of commitment that you need to that shot. You have to be committed and you have to drive through it and finish it. And that's all up to you. And is that not the same true as with the relationship with your girlfriend or your job or learning how to do fucking yoga or anything? Because yeah. you need 100% commitment. And that, my friend, is freedom. Commitment always seemed like a chain to me or like a prison you sat in. And it's the opposite. Commitment is the thing that makes you free. That's good stuff, man. You, you, I, I'm, I'm inspired right now, dude. I'm pumped up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I wanted to ask you real quick, man. Uh, and I don't want to take up all your time on Sunday morning, but recently you mentioned CrossFit and... And, I, you know, I like CrossFit. We have a little CrossFit gym downstairs from uh, the jiu-jitsu school, and there's a brown belt who runs it, and, you know, I, I jump in there as much as I can. And recently there was this uh, CrossFit athlete, Kevin Ogre, that, you know, had a, a right. pretty bad... Yeah. yeah, so can you talk... Because, you know, there's a lot of CrossFit hate. I mean, it's so crazy. It's crazy how much... You know, my big, the biggest... Biggest hater across it, maybe in the world. I don't, maybe not the biggest, but the biggest one that, that I love because the rest of them I just kind of don't listen because I'm like, oh, you're just dumb guys. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I, I love Scotty Epstein. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and uh, I don't know if you know Scotty or not, but he is, he's, um, he's a special kind of human and he has a certain way of looking at life that maybe has a frown on it a lot of the time and a scowl. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, he's one of the most beautiful, loyal, and kind dudes I know, for real. But he's, you know, he, he feels like, like, fuck CrossFit and go get hurt, stupid, and better, and all this shit, right? And, um, like, in life, you skin your knees, you know? Now, 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 Scotty says all this. He's never done one CrossFit class ever. <laughs> Not ever. He doesn't, really, he doesn't really understand metabolic pathways. Like, if you talked about a glycolytic response or... Uh, versus he does he, he it's, it's, but he's a fitness expert about <laughs> the kind of fitness that he knows but the mind is close to these other things i don't need to know jumping in front of a truck is bad for you to know that it's bad for you Kate, and or whatever and i'm like okay i'm like maybe maybe you try like the thing with me with 
nutrition, like a lot of people come to me as like a nutrition expert. I'm, I'm certainly fucking not. I'm a guy that's tried a lot of different things to see how to make my body perform and function in the best way possible. And so I try those things with 100% commitment for a few months. And then I have an experience. And now I have actual experience from which to speak of. Not just knowledge that I've read, but experience. And then I don't have palaver anymore. I don't have just a mouthful of shit that I'm talking about what I think it might be. I have an experience, and that's the only powerful thing that we have. And so, A, if you don't have experience with something and you want to talk about how horrific and how great it is, I kind of look at you a certain kind of way to begin with. That being said, I was at that tournament when Kevin Ogre hurt himself. A horrible, horrible accident. It looked like a horrible freak accident. And it's like all those things lined up in completely the right way, the way the bar fell, the angle of it, and fuck, and he hurt himself badly. I don't know if you've read any of his posts lately, but what an inspiring and driven and connected human to the rest of the universe and to his own health and to his own accountability for it. Beautiful. To say the word CrossFit is bad, it's kind of like saying that, like, anything is bad. It's like, it's a word. It's like if you say, oh, that guy, that, that guy, like Lloyd Irvin's guy, he raped a girl. Jiu-Jitsu's bad. It's like being that stupid. It's like saying saying that. To talk about somebody that got rabbed, though, is like, it's like shit happens. Life happens, man. And we learn, and we're all accountable for it. And the people that don't like it are generally people that fail to be responsible or accountable in their own lives, and they're looking for somebody to blame. Nobody is to blame. Like, we all... I'm a, I'm right now, I've been sick for three weeks. I'm a completely deconditioned athlete, right? Which means I have the mental capacity of knowing I can do a certain amount of work. And then I don't have the physical acumen to be there yet. It's going to take me a few weeks to get back to where I was. Yeah. If I go and I work as hard as my mental thing tells me, I'm probably going to hurt myself. Because my body's not ready for it right now. So it's like I'm owning my own health. It's like we all do that to some degree. Not to say that Kevin was sick or this or that. Fuck, man. Shit happens. Like, people die when they skydive, too. Nobody says, oh, that's skydiving. It's, you know, and, and, and so to talk about something that doesn't, like Adam Carolla, I think, said something like, if you're burning calories thinking about something that doesn't make you better or make you money, you're fucking stupid. You're wasting <laughs> your fucking time. Yeah, that's and true. Like, and that's why all those people on MMA boards or on whatever, it's like, you're not really learning anything. You're talking about why something isn't. It's like, what are you? Because I'm a boss. What they do doesn't matter to me. It's what I'm doing with my feet, right? And so I, I try not to focus on all that stuff too much. I wish Kevin and his family well. Uh, donate some money to him. You can go to the Kevin Ogre Fund. It's O-G-A-R. And, um... And, and why don't you find out from the man himself? I mean, you can look at Kevin. He's not blaming anybody because that dude's a fucking boss, you know? And, and there's nobody to blame, man. It's like you're going you're gonna to be a little kid blaming, blaming fucking life. Right. We're in this life, man. Either take yourself out of it or fucking grab onto it. But, like, to just sit and bitch, it's like you're doing nothing, you know? Wasted so energy. I, I don't know. Yeah. Like, that, that, that's the thing about CrossFit is like, oh, do you think that it's maybe bad that that um, literally, literally, literally hundreds of thousands of people aren't going to die of diabetes now and have changed their life and become empowered and feel like they're valued and worth something. And then a couple of people got hurt here and there. What do you think about that CrossFit? It's pretty bad, huh? <laughs> yeah. 
I'm like, bitch, no. I'm, I'm kind of more into the hundreds of thousands of empowered souls that are in the world, you fucking douche. Enjoy your next welfare check. I mean, what the fuck? It's like there's a lot of motherfuckers that can't wait for something to go bad so they can say, see, you talk all that, whatever it is, but as if, it, if it's CrossFit, yeah. it's like, oh, you talk about how great CrossFit is. Look, that motherfucker died. That shit's, that shit's bullshit. And, and in the, in the same, to the same degree, that same guy is by smoking a cigarette or he's driving drunk home or he's fucking teaching his kids that, you know, fuck those goddamn Mexicans or black <laughs> people or whatever the fuck. He's like, for sure, that guy's mind is broken. And God bless him. I hope he gets better. <laughs> Tate, man. It was a pleasure talking to you, and I want to let our listeners. man. I want to remind our listeners that they could. Tate's got a, uh, some coffee that he's working on. Man, he's got a cool little company. Yeah, 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 man. Me and me and a uh, uh, real high level personal trainer, um, like one of those high level personal trainers that has like one client that <laughs> they are with all the time, like that kind of like the the top level elite of Hollywood kind of deal. Um, her and, and Keith Jardine, so Lacey Mackey, Keith Jardine, and myself, um, and, and we met these Colombian brothers that are, are roasters, man, and, and uh, we roast some goddamn delicious coffee, and uh, and we we are big proponents of the nutritious side of, of, of health and, and, and betterment um, of the body and of the, of the function of the body, and, and so we're really into a high-fat diet um, that speaks to that. And so we mix it with MCT oil, butter, cacao, sometimes cinnamon, sometimes coconut milk. But we go through a bunch of different recipes that we do on cavemancoffeeco.com. Or you can even find us just at cavemancoffee.com now, I think. Our, our Twitter and Instagram are at cavemancoffeeco. And, uh, and you know, we, you can talk about all that stuff. We got, uh, you know, Rob, Rob Wolf and, and Aubrey Marcus are uh, uh, on our board of directors and kind of, Direct our thinking and our our, uh, our our vision of where we want to go. We've just been open for a few months and we're already international. It's crazy, and, and we're in a few gyms here and there, um, which are up on the website through California. We got some places in Manhattan and one in Massachusetts. Um, but that, yeah, that's that's you can find out more on that tip there, and yeah. you can find me at Tatumus Maximus um, on Instagram and on Twitter. Right. I, don't know. I don't know. I don't know what else. Right on. Man, dude, it was a pleasure talking to you, man. I really, really appreciate it. You too, it. brother. Yeah, I really... I, you know, the one thing I want to end with, too, man, I know you got a ton of jujitsu heads by most of your audience, right? Yeah. Um, is that the thing that's a heartbreak to me about jujitsu is is people trying to own jujitsu, right? It's like, and you, you get a lot of that, like, I, I mean, I remember when Carlinos went to go sue, or it wasn't Carlinos, was it? It was uh, his brother, but they went to sue his cousin Henzo for using the Gracie name, you know, like <laughs> ridiculous stuff like that, right? And like It's my triangle. Jiu-Jitsu is not to be owned. It, 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 it's, it's for everybody, you know, and, and, and this whole schism that gets created through this brand of Jiu-Jitsu or that school to this school, it's like, you know, uh, my head coach, uh, Ruben Rivera, over at uh, 10th Planet Santa Fe, um, you know, he's putting together a seminar, and it's a different seminar than ever. It's like a seminar that puts it open to everybody in the jiu-jitsu community. That like, come down, let's share some techniques and have barbecue. We'll buy all the meat, and let's get together and let's like try to break down these walls of all this shit of uh, this brand versus that brand and all that kind of stuff. 
and I'm all for riding for the brand, man. Like for sure, I'm a, a Jackson's fighter, and and and, and I'm a tenth planet jujitsu head. But but it doesn't mean that I fucking hate you because you're not, yeah. or that there's not value in what you're doing because you're not. And and uh, and and go ahead and, and rep that brand and respect your coach. But but recognize the love of the whole family, man. Jujitsu is bigger than these little schools, man. Jujitsu is bigger than that. For sure. For sure. And I mean, when you break it down with the different camps and all that stuff, it's just a bunch of monkeys moving their body in different ways. It's like you can't you can't own that. (laughs) Nobody gets to own that, dude. You know, that's just uh, that's humanity. So, hey, man, thanks a lot, brother. We really appreciate it, dude. You guys have a great Sunday, man. And and, uh, thank you so much for, for inviting me and having me on. I really I really had a lot of fun. Right on. Thanks, Tate. Okay, bye bye. Hey, late. That was awesome, man. I uh, I I talked to Tate at Gracie Nationals. That was a real. That was a like we haven't had a lot of real motherfuckers come on. That guy was a Eddie real was a real dude. motherfucker. Tate's a real motherfucker. Who else has been real? Like just really fucking real. Because I'm, you know, most people are like you said are different when yeah. you talk to them on the podcast. And a lot of people that come on, they're like, I want you to ask me questions, but I don't want you to say too much. Yeah, a lot of motherfuckers don't really care what you think. They, they won't want tell you, you how they really feel. The, they won't tell you how they really feel, and they don't want you to say too much. And they don't. He asked you, "Well, what do you think about that?" But very few guys that wanted to know what you fucking thought. Yeah, it was awesome, man. Tate, Tate was a cool dude, and and the first time I met him in person was at Gracie Nationals, and I was refing matches. And Rose, Rose Gracie was like, I don't want any of the coaches out, you know, on, on the mat area or whatever. And Tate had kind of crawled out there. He, he didn't know. It wasn't like he was doing it to be a, a, a jerk. So what you had to be the guy that says, hey, you can't be out here. So I kind of went over to him like, hey, listen, man, uh, you know, like, fuck you. <laughs> I know you're like twice my size and stuff, but it's kind of my job to ask you not to be here. Totally cool, man. Super great guy. And uh yeah, it's a breath of fresh air to hear hear somebody who is just going to be honest about where they're at. They're not sugarcoating stuff. They're not trying to just self-promote. They're not trying to be phony. They're just being real. That was cool. Yeah, it's really nice to talk to you, a real motherfucker. Being from Stockton, you know, <laughs> when you're from Stockton, it makes you a real motherfucker. And it's really nice to talk to other guys who are just real. There's no fakery there, you know. Not to say that other people who are wrong for... Because, you know, people have images they try to uphold, and, and they're trying to sell shit and market themselves. So I get where some people are coming from. Yeah, for sure. I feel like, uh, you know, normally we do like a message board recap or something like that, but I just I just think Tate's part yeah, was so we're good. Done, dude. I you don't can't, wanna, I, we're done, dude. Tate, can't top that. Tate closed the fucking show. Tate was awesome. Tate, Tate burned the whole house down, dude. It's like fucking Jerry Lee Lewis. Yeah. Opening for fucking um um uh, Chuck Berry. Chuck Berry. Yeah. They're fighting about who's gonna go on first, and Jerry's gotta go on first, and he sets the whole motherfucking house on fire, and Chuck Berry can't even come out. Nice. Hey man, thanks for listening, and uh, buy a T-shirt or something, dude. 